what we're focused on is making our team better, and we are in a position to do so via free agency and trade. The fact that we're in a position to attract marquee free agents, to um, be in a position to potentially trade for uh, really good players is a very, very good starting point and one that we are embracing. In terms of expectations, um, you know, listen, we're going to do everything we can to make our team better. Uh, there are certain players in the game that any team in baseball would like to have, and it's extremely competitive. So we will, we will do everything on our power to build upon this very good team, and that could happen in a lot of different shapes. And we're, we're pushing very hard to do so. All right. What a crazy couple of days it's going to be. All right. Aren't we excited? <laughs> Good morning, Ben. <laughs> Baseball robot, very excited. Can't say about what or where. Morning, Ben. How's it going? It's going all right. It's that was a, weird. I it, know. It, I had to do it. It was. This is the fan morning show, by the way. Sports at <laughs> 590, the fan, Ben and Sprint Gunning. That was Ross Atkins from Parts Unknown, although I think we have a pretty good idea, especially after some overnight reporting. I was going to say. Um, that was that was him from Parts Unknown. Via Zoom, instead of at the winter meetings, it's... Listen, the, the winter meetings, not like a couple of days before they happen. They're like, you know what? Let's go meet somewhere. And everybody just packs up, and then they show up, and then... You know, they, they, they do their business, and it's just kind of like happening on the fly. Right. No, this thing is like planned out months in advance. Yeah, this isn't camping trip with my buddies when I was 21. Mm -hmm. This is trying to get all my buddies together with their families for a trip now. Like, right. takes a little more uh, of planning. Yeah. 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 Yes. Correct. <laughs> it's been in everybody's eye calendar for months and months and months. Everybody knows when it is. Everybody knows where it is. Everybody knows that this is actually the most important date or uh, three days in the off-season calendar. There's the general manager's meetings, which already happened. But that's just like, again, they canceled that thing after a couple of days. Got, oh, a little sick. Oh, This is the thing really that actually matters where either trades are consummated or the, the seeds of, of trades are planted. Free agents oftentimes and their representatives mm -hmm. will meet with the general manager. It is a big Deal. I'm telling you. I've been. Um, it's not very often that your general manager is not there at the beginning of it. <laughs> and especially when he has a scheduled media availability. Where could he be? Ross Atkins had a schedule, uh, scheduled media availability yesterday. Apparently, also, John Schneider had a, me a media availability that was originally scheduled for yesterday, but that was rescheduled to today, mm. back on Friday. So instead of being in Nashville for the start of the the Major League Baseball winter meetings, things were shifted digitally as we went back to pandemic times and he spoke to the Toronto media via Zoom. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> I think we could all infer what it means. What, what do you think? I, and I think, you know, the, the direct question that was asked to Ross Atkins and the response that we got also indicated what exactly that meant. <laughs> Uh, due to the scheduling conflict, I wanted to ensure out of respect for the media to not change this, and Zoom permitted me to do that. Sorry, Ross, what? Due to the scheduling conflict, I wanted to ensure out of respect for the media to not change this, and Zoom permitted me to do that. I mean, like, like and there was a follow-up question about, like, what is the scheduling? Is it Due to the scheduling conflict, I wanted to ensure out of respect for the media to not change this, and Zoom permitted me to do that. So, with that answer alone, the non-answer that that answer provided... Yeah, it's a, clearly this was Shohei Otani related, 
Now you had this thing that mm-hmm. happened overnight. Uh, and I woke up to it at 4 o'clock this morning. Cold sweat, I'd imagine. You're like, <gasps> I feel like Rosenthal knows something. Well, clearly he does. He's the only guy with this actual direct report. Quote, in the clearest sign yet of mm-hmm. the Blue Jays' interest in Shohei Otani, club officials are believed to have met Monday with the Japanese superstar at the team's spring training complex in Dunedin, Florida. While a timetable for Otani's free agent decision is not known, the meeting would indicate that the negotiations with the Jays and other clubs are entering the final stage as the Dodgers, Cubs, and potentially other teams remain in the bidding, and Otani reportedly has met with more than one club. All right. It's a lot. It's a, it's, listen, there's not a lot of tangible moves that have happened early days mm-hmm. at the winter meetings. Again, this is when things actually happen, and yesterday was kind of a slow day. Yep. Things are bubbling to a boil now. Brent, where are you on Otani and his likelihood of becoming the Toronto Blue Jays? I think you have to look at it as more of a possibility than you thought yesterday. And the reason I think that is it goes back to my theory about how this was going to play out from the jump. And, you know, I don't think Rosenthal is sitting on anything. Like, I don't think he has info on the Dodgers and is like, I'm going to wait uh, for that. But if you're another team that has any interest or has interest in the Jays not having Otani, you would be leaking this stuff. And the fact that this stuff is coming out proves how serious a suitor the Jays are. The other thing that I look at for this is that, you know, not that, again, the money is not going to be the issue with Otani here. Like, if you're at the table, there's a certain dollar figure threshold that you're getting to. So that's not the sales pitch. But a big part of it, I imagine, is going to be, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes at, oh, they've invested in the minor league complex and the development and the renovations. Now, that's going to be a massive part of the sales pitch. Clearly so if it was there at the facility. It's one thing to say, yeah, okay, you got a nice facility. That's great. It's another thing to say, I want to see it or being able to get him there to woo him with what whatever it is you think is so special uh, about the complex down there. So... I look at it as, you know, I don't think anything has actually changed materially, but where I'm at, you know, I, I think it's where I've been at all the time. They're either the last of all these teams or they're the 1B to the Dodgers 1A, and I think that's kind of where we're still at. No, something has changed materially. Mm. I mean, Blue Jays traveled to Los Angeles to the CAA headquarters to meet with Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. as did many other teams. According to this report, Shohei Otani's making the effort to travel to them. Yep. Uh, it's not the first time we've seen a report of Shohei Otani being on the move. Uh, there were some perilously few details about what might have happened over the weekend, but... Uh, this Japanese Reddit stuff, or...? Yes, okay. but also Susan Slusser, who's right. like... Confirming, right. One of the, the best reporters Very in Major so. League Baseball, reporting that Shohei Otani was in San Francisco... Not at the Giants' spring training facility, but in San Francisco to meet with the principals of that organization. To the point about the um, the Dunedin training complex, $100 million mm-hmm. the Blue Jays spent on a facility that not one paying customer will ever set foot in. Right. Like, you, you it's we all got to see the pictures, and, and I, I, hand up, I kind of rolled my eyes at it because, again, like, it's cool, and boy, wouldn't it be cool to be a Toronto Blue Jay and mm-hmm. have access to those facilities? Yeah. But you don't get to use them. No. And the media doesn't even get to see them, <laughs> right? Like, we see the pictures, and, like, maybe, 
when they first opened. I think Hazel May did yeah, yeah. some one-on-ones with, with Mark Shapiro. That's it. Like, then they just exist. Yeah, it's Area 51. It's like $100 million that you don't get to tangibly see the benefit of on the field until, mm. until today, possibly, maybe. <laughs> and how could, how could Mark Shapiro have known that this specific player who may be impacted by that kind of world-class facility more than any other in the history of pro sports, this is all Shohei Otani wants to do is have access to the best training equipment, the best training facilities in the world Mm -hmm. because he wants to be the best. Yep. About pitching and hitting. And he's accomplished that a couple of times throughout the course of his career. Mm -hmm. Mark Shapiro has been responsible for for a lot of positive things in his tenure with the Blue Jays, not the least of which was quickly turning this thing over from – a team that was elderly in its contention window in 15 and 16, quickly flipping it around Mm -hmm. to being back in contention with a younger core and then adding pieces and actually rolling the dice on either some aged free agents or some Mm -hmm. trades that have uh, produced various results. But this this could be the piece de resistance. If if, if Shohei Otani chooses the Blue Jays, and you're right to say that the money is the money, because anybody that's in it at this point is over a half a billion dollars. I'm We're just, already there anyway. I'm just going to say what you and Bug said. I heard you guys say it. And like the real shill talk is that the one people who cannot be blamed is ownership here. Like yeah. they have clearly stepped up or you wouldn't have a seat at the table in this way. Well, and Mark Shapiro had to sell ownership on, again, $100 million on a, on a thing that will not get one extra person in a seat at Rogers Center. That was creating a world-class facility in their spring training complex in Dunedin, Florida. But again, if that results in acquiring the the most impactful free agent mm-hmm. in North American pro sports since LeBron James, yep. how can you argue with it? I don't think you can. The other, the other thing, I kind of wanted to throw this at you. This isn't related to yesterday's report, but it's been something I've been kind of meaning to to ask you about in all of this is that, you know, like we said, the money is not going to be the deciding factor here for for Shohei. That is just not going to be the thing. There is going to be comfortability. Does he like where he's at? I imagine geography plays a part in it, or we wouldn't immediately start with all the West Coast teams in terms of where we expect him to sign. But another thing that has been bandied about about this, especially with the Angels and them still having, you know, I think people think it's a pretty minuscule chance, but a chance in this as well, is that they have given him true carte blanche throughout all of this. So this is what we talked about with Blair yesterday, the idea of staff needing buy-in and not just the staff in terms of the manager, but your pitching staff, because it's going to be a little different. Now that won't affect the Jays. How much, how much autonomy, like, is there anything he can ask for, for you? That's a bridge too far to get Otani to sign. Cause I think again, nothing like, realistic, nothing realistic. Cause that, that is the thing I've seen bandied <laughs> about by the, or, or just throw that the angels, it was the thing that kind of got yeah. them over the hump the first time. Cause obviously we know all the teams that were interested the first time and they were going to let him do truly whatever he, he wanted. You know, that's the interesting thing I think with all this as well is that that's going to be a part of this pitch. Like, of course we know the, the spring training facility and the team and the success mm-hmm. and the money, but it's also going to be the autonomy. And this is where it's interesting because where I, I don't think to your point about nothing realistic, 
that's going to be fine for the first year of this, where the rubber meets the road is when he feels he's ready to come back as a pitcher. And it's just kind of a great, un, I shouldn't say unknown, but, you know, it's possible given the injury when it happened, he's going to be looking to ramp up at the tail end of a year, not to pitch in games, but to get himself ready. That's the other thing I'm, I'm curious about is that does every team looking at this just go, yeah, well, whatever you want, man. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's complicated. Like I said, it's not a seamless fit. No. Juan Soto's a seamless fit. Joey mm-hmm. Otani's a full-time DH. It's the only position he plays. That's yeah. that, So there's no more, hey, getting Vlad off his feet, yep. giving him a DH day. There's no Springer. more George Springer getting him off his feet, getting him a DH day. Like, literally. Alejandro. No, there's that's, that's not a thing anymore if you have Shohei Otani. Secondarily, you still have holes to fill. And and in this Zoom media availability, Ross Atkins said the, the, the thing that John Morosi, who, by the way, is going to join us after 8 o'clock today, mm-hmm. uh, also reported on that, it, yeah. It's so interesting to see him see him dance around like the idea of us knowing who he's talking right. about but not saying it explicitly. He's like, yeah, the, the idea of two guys that are like <laughs> the way he posits. He's like, you know, around or over twenty five million dollars a year and around <laughs> over four war a season type guys. Like the idea of adding two of those guys, unlikely this season. Okay, so th- yeah, that that does mean probably not Shohei. And Juan Soto, but if it's Shohei Otani, it's still like who's playing third base? Yep. Who's playing second base? Mm-hmm. Who's playing left field? Like questions, <laughs> questions, right. questions. You you still have uh, a lot of pieces. Well, and you know to you, acquire. You know who wants the answer to that? As much as you or I may want it, or some guy driving on the DVP may want it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think the person who might care more about those answers, maybe not than the Blue Jays, but than you or I, is Shohei Otani. Like he, again, like he wants to, he just was an angel. Okay. And being a blue Jay is not being an angel. It's, it's not, it's better. I know it doesn't always feel that way, but it is better. You actually have like touched the playoffs and played in games that mattered, all those things. And it's been terrible every time, but you actually got to experience games that matter. But I just look at, I I look at with, with Otani and, and quite frankly, the autonomy he has in all this. And that's the thing I, I keep going back to. But the the idea of it is, you know, if you're it's it is just so tough to wrap your head around them kind of signing this fish. Cause again, like we've gone back and forth with it of like George Springer was special and that was a big signing. And Ryu changed the course of things. And, you know, sometimes this one doesn't get lumped in there, but it's like, you know, Rocket came here in his late prime, but this would just be such a, a different animal. The other the other thing I was thinking about with all this as well is that, you know, do you expect in the coming days that we'll see leaks from other clubs involved? Because that has been such a thing of the secrecy involved in this. Yeah. And you I know, know, I don't do, know do you, do I don't you know this that, as a leak. I don't I don't, but again, like I think the differences in the pitches that Otani is looking at right now are so minuscule. That if this secrecy thing is so important to him, and again, like, man, you got on an airplane. You went there the first day of the winter meetings. Like, you didn't think this was going to cause a bit of a stir. So I don't know how much he can, but if we never end up hearing about him, and look, you might have already done it because he was in in L.A., in California. So it's entirely possible he could have done these things already, and we just don't know. And if if that's the case and secrecy is so important, like, 
that is the interesting thing about this free agency is that there are so many things to parse, but there is so much secrecy. We just don't know how much weight to put on any of these things. If, if secrecy is is forefront of mind for you, and that that is the one thing that seems pretty pretty well documented about this process is that Shohei Otani don't like it when people tell um, they, they they divulge some of the process involved mm-hmm. in this offseason courting. If if he's adamant that that's an important thing, like why wasn't this wrapped up before the winter meetings? Because like I get it, you're not there, but you not being there and you forcing these team executives mm-hmm. into weird, you know, truth pretzels. Yeah, Ross Atkins is in a truth pretzel now because mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to lie to you, and he knows that you know what he knows. But he also knows well, I think, that Joey Otani doesn't want you to know what he knows that you already do know. I think this is, I honestly, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't think this was all part of the evaluation process effectively of him saying to himself, self, I know some of this is going to get out. But who has the tightest lips? Who can keep this the quietest? And I uh, I understand. I understand you everything you're test? saying. I don't know, Ben. I am trying to parse the tea leaves. And guess what? We keep saying tea leaf. With tea leaves. We really should be saying like part of a tea leaf because there is so little to parse here. So I don't know, but... How can you not wonder if this is all part and parcel of it? I mean, there is a report from Heyman. Now, this came out before everything that came out yesterday that there was one team that was still waiting to meet with them. Uh, that team, maybe you're just out of it and they haven't uh, they haven't told you these things. But I don't know. There is so much we don't understand. The other thing about this is, you know, from the Blue Jays' perspective, in terms of how you handle it, I'm not going to kill them kill Ross Atkins for the availability yesterday. I don't know what he's supposed to say, but it's much like we said about the availabilities at the end of the season. It's almost like what I tell my kid. If you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all. And I understand the idea of, is it better if he cancels the availability? Because then we can do either way of, oh, the meeting went so good. He's afraid to say it. Oh, no, the meeting went terribly. He's He can't show his face to the... I, there is no good way to have played this out, but no. it just goes back to what we said about him every time he steps to a mic. There there was not uh, you, a perfect secrecy, version of this, but there was a better version of this. I I guess. I mean... Oh, you're saying he's the best guy for secrecy. I, I don't know. I, I, I would say that if you're Shoei Otani <laughs> and you don't want anybody to know, you don't want anybody speculating, you don't want anybody digging, and and you don't want any breadcrumbs, yeah. again, why are you doing well, this but, during, the winter, but when, during the winter meetings, during a time in which the general manager had already been scheduled mm-hmm. to speak. Like, he, what, he, you don't want him to be at your tour of the Dunedin facilities? Clearly, he's going to be there. Clearly, John Schneider was there yesterday, if the reporting is correct on this thing, which I, I think Ken Rosenthal pretty pretty plugged in. I mean, yeah, I'd agree, yes. Clearly, that was going to be the case. Clearly, this was going to be the story last night and then into today. If you didn't want people trying to dig into things. And again, I don't consider it a leak. I can like, this could be somebody no, no. on the ground in Dunedin, a security guard For saw sure. him walk in. Like he can't literally dig a tunnel under the Dunedin facility and like emerge in the middle of it. He acts, he, and he's, he's not a diminutive fellow. No, like he's, he's a big boy. Yeah. He stands out, right? Like yeah, this could be somebody in the city of Dunedin seeing him walking around. That, that's what we're talking about here. If you didn't want that to be reported upon, 
there certainly would have been fewer eyeballs on the situation if it had happened last week as opposed to during the winter meetings. I, I'm not defending the practice. Let me make this abundantly clear. But I cannot, if I'm Otani, think of a better way to stress test will this get out. Mm. Uh, and I, again, I agree with everything you're saying. If it actually is important to you, but that's why I wonder if he is understanding that there is no secrecy in the world of Shohei Otani. There is attempts at privacy and secrecy, like having a fake dog that is not your real dog or whatever happened with that. But there are, I do, I, I have to at least consider the possibility that this is some semblance of a stress test. And hey, like, it's possible the Dodgers passed it. It's possible the Dodgers have not been tested mm. in the in that way yet. Dave Roberts spoke yesterday. He Andrew did. Friedman did not. But Dave Roberts was there, and he was asked exp- explicitly about well, Joe Otani so and said he's a really good player. So that was exactly what I was thinking about, is could you not have flipped them? Could you not have said, yeah, Schneid's going to talk today, and Friedman will talk, or sorry, Friedman, uh, uh, and Atkins will talk later in the week. That's exactly what the Dodgers, like, because my immediate first but, but, plus but, reaction. But, I mean, both of those guys were in Dunedin yesterday. Right. Right? Like, yeah. That, that, I mean, that's that's where. And if you're meeting with Shohei, obviously he wants to talk to the, to the skipper. The manager. Yeah, I mean, you want yeah. everybody on No, no, hand. You're, you're right. He better talk to the manager for all the say he has and everything that goes on there, as we just saw. Okay, so I was, <laughs> I was asking you what your uh, <laughs> memories were of, of the John Tavares process, which is, I mean. Just prayers to Arash Madani, who's staking that thing out. Yeah, which is. Maybe informative here, maybe not, but it it, it it's the it's it's the closest thing we have to this. It was also the same agency that represented John Devar. And they they feel like they feel like as close to the same guy as possible in terms of like mm-hmm. just let me play my sport and don't talk to me. Well, and it was not necessarily dollars and cents with both guys either, right? Like yeah. John Tavares, if he wanted the highest dollar mm-hmm. figure, he would have remained on Long uh, Island. No. Clearly, there were other things. Now I'm just... Or gone to San Jose, whatever. Um yeah. What does it mean if this is perhaps late in the proceedings that he's he's visiting the Blue Jays facility maybe after the Giants, mm-hmm. maybe after the Dodgers? Maybe it's the last visit that he's had on his tour of potential destinations. Is that a good sign? Is that a bad sign? Well, just to do the compare and contrast with Tavares, I think it's the opposite answer for the Leafs and the Blue Jays. For the Leafs, it made the most sense for them, and and my and they did have one of the early meetings with Tavares. It was Islanders first, then the Leafs, is my my recollection, and from the digging I did there, you want to have the first crack. You're the Leafs. You want to set the tone for that. But I think from a Blue Jays perspective, if and this is an if, we know he's met with teams, or we believe he's met with teams, but we don't know that he has done the spring training facility visits, any of that. But if he has already done that with the Dodgers or the Giants, and obviously he's pretty aware of what the Angels setup is for, for spring training. And he still takes that meeting with the Blue Jays. I don't think it can bode anything but good for them. If the other meetings have already mm. happened, if they are last, if they do get the last crack, and I think that's twofold. One, it's you know, it's like having the last bat in a game. Like you get the last chance to make your pitch, and it's the recency bias. But I also think there's something too that Maybe there was something he was looking for that he didn't see in either of those places if he has already visited them. Like, I think there's something to the Blue Jays being the 
they always felt like the team that really had to sell him the most, right? Like there was an understanding of what it is to be a Dodger. They're the favorites and all this for a reason. There's an understanding for what it is to be on the West Coast if he's going to stay and be a giant. But with the Blue Jays, it is, you know, to him, I'd imagine, the great unknown to to a certain extent. So I think it does bode really, really well for them if the other meetings or, or I should say if the other like visits have have happened. Here's a nightmare scenario. Honestly, it's it's not the Dodgers. It's not the Cubs. It's not the Giants. It's this. This from ESPN yesterday. Quote, some members of the Angels have privately felt confident about their chances to this. retain Shoy Otani throughout the offseason, even though his price tag may reach $600 million. So, you know, love him or hate him, and I think it's it's easy to hate him. He's... Uh, Rob Manfred has a hateable face. Oh, I was okay. like, I was, who are we talking about? I'm like, Otani? Are we doing the, does Otani want it if he goes back to the Angels takes? Because we'll do that just when he does it. No. Uh, Rob Manfred, it's it's not been a, um, just a, 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 a seamless transition to uh, the commissioner's seat for him. He's had some uh, notable, yeah, notable miscues, the hunk of metal prime amongst them. But I will say, in an overall sense, he's done. I, I think the the positives way outweigh the negatives. The the aesthetic changes to Major League Baseball, lopping off thirty minutes of on an mm-hmm. average baseball game is something I didn't think was possible without impacting the heart of the sport. I think he's done that. This um this is something he needs to take action on. <laughs> this, this cannot <laughs> allowed to stand. This cannot allowed to 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 do it, manifest itself. He cannot return to Los Angeles. I can't do another decade of Mike Trout and Shoy Otani in Anaheim with the Angels. It's just it's something I'm I'm just I'm not equipped to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rob Manfred should step in. I I would argue um the guy who we know has that fire in his belly. I watched it when he struck out Mike Trout and then was ranting and raving and screaming after Japan won the World Baseball Classic. I would hate that for baseball, but quite frankly, I would hate that for what it would say about him if he goes back to to the Angels. Like, it's just, you've seen this movie before. I understand the idea of you coming to, you know, a league for the first time and saying, ah, me and Mike Trout, we can do this. You've seen it. Uh, the two of you, you cannot, through no fault of your own and more so health than than anything with those two specifically. But yeah, it's it'd be awful for the game, quite frankly. This is a guy who you... You you don't need in a major market. Like, we've kind of got away from that. But you need him to play in games that matter. Like, the World Baseball Classic was amazing, and it was incredible. But if it was kind of any pitcher from any other country in that moment with Mike Trout, it's not the moment. It's not just because they're teammates. It's because Shohei is that dude. So, please, please, God, do not let that happen. And honestly for shame on on Shohei and all the other teams involved in this if if this happens like just for shame on everyone if he goes back to the Angels but I don't know that that report was you know if you're somebody living and dying with the Jays pursuit of Otani that that should honestly be more worrying to me than like a great meeting with the Dodgers would be yeah I I don't you think don't. that's just uh, better put out some smoke so we think we're not just sitting yeah, on our hands no, I don't discount the possibility that he yes I'm sure he he gave the Angels plenty of time I mean they they outlaid what they did for him initially and there was obviously something that he liked off off the hop mm-hmm. that um carte blanche I think was a big 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 part of that yeah but also I'm sure he believed that you know 
paired with an all-time great mm-hmm. in Mike Trout and a team that was not afraid to spend. I mean, they spent poorly, but not afraid to spend. He would have a lot more success on the field than he's had, uh, which is none. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't discount the possibility, but it seems pretty clear, especially the way things went down there and and him not answering a reporter question after August. Like, it, it seems like his days in Anaheim are done. I just That, that report did surprise me. Um, can I, I have to throw out the caveat that he might just hate talking to people. Like, he would give, was given the out. He hasn't spoken to a soul mm-hmm. since. He tried to run away from, or maybe he did run away from talking to people. I can't remember if the writers actually got a, got a hold of him eventually when he won his MVP. No, he did not. No, exactly. So, like, it is, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I would be, quite frankly, shocked if he wound up back with the Angels. But... It, it's entirely possible he just hates talking to people too. Then he was just done and kaputzed with LA. Uh, maybe John Tavares is the wrong, the wrong parallel to, parallel to make mm. here to this situation. Shout out to the texter. Uh, text line 5959. <laughs> Jordan from Aurelia. Do you think other teams will, will show Otani footage of helicopters following <laughs> Kawhi during his contract signing to show him the lack of privacy by signing here? I mean, that's what it feels like, right? It does feel like the, the Kawhi Leonard situation, the conclusion of the championship run in 2019, um, except like you were already coming off the high of winning a championship. It was, right. all, it was, it was only gravy, I suppose, right. to, to have a chance to sign Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, that's that's what it feels like. The veil of secrecy, mm-hmm. like trying to, to parse even the smallest little tidbit, yeah. uh, the littlest clue as to what what is happening with Shohei Otani. And uh, yeah, thank goodness for Ken Rosenthal's reporting that we have something. I, it's the most tangible thing we've gotten since this this started at the conclusion yeah. of the season. Far and away, uh, it's just so funny, revisionist history of, you know, if we would have left Kawhi alone, maybe he would have. There wasn't anything that could have been done short of moving the Raptors to L.A. to be the third L.A. franchise. There was nothing that was happening to keep Kawhi here. Wish it would have happened, but, yeah, it is so funny in hindsight, like, that we painted ourselves into, oh, what could the Raptors have done? Nothing. He was going to L.A. to do whatever it was he wanted, and, yeah, I think there's going to be some element to that, but to the point you made up, like, he thinks he's just going to be left alone completely in L.A., and I know that that's kind of a double-edged sword, and as we said, there are single-edged blades. We've we've figured that out uh, in our time on Fan Morning Show. But it's kind of the double-edged sword because it's L.A., the paparazzi, the celebrity culture, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, you're at a restaurant. It's entirely possible Leo DiCaprio is, is sitting there with you as well. Like, you're not always, and I know it's Otani. He's pretty much always going to be the biggest fish in the room. But the stars can kind of blend in in a town like that more so than in pretty much any other place. Yeah, we got more than a few celebrities in this city, too. Um, yeah. I, I, One table in the restaurant. Who gets it? Drake or Otani? Yeah, I think they could probably sit next to each other. I, I mean, listen. Let if, me. If, oh, if there's Shoei no Otani way Drake wants to meet Drake. He can meet Drake. Oh, I was today. gonna say there's no way Drake wouldn't immediately be like, as everyone knows, I am a longtime baseball fan, and this mm. is my favorite guy, Shohei Otani. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's worn a Jays jersey before, yeah, hasn't cr- he? Yeah, there's there again. I do not begrudge him for this, but I do not think there is a single team in mm-hmm. North America. Like, the guy's worn, like, a Dansbury Thrashers uniform before. I think he's checked all the boxes. Uh, so, obviously, lots on Shohei Otani today. We will uh, talk to uh, John Morosi after the 8 The Shohei show, if you will. Yeah. But uh, coming up next, we'll get to the first two games of what has been a really successful NBA in-season tournament. Uh, the knockout round yesterday was electric. Also, all the quarterbacks in the AFC are uh, now injured. Mm. 
Uh, we'll talk about that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Show Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, 6.37 in the morning. Shoyo Tani has yet to sign. Keep you updated, okay? I was about to say can confirm, but I can't. Like, no, it's entirely can't. possible in that sec- second that you uttered that sentence, it happened. You know what? I can't even confirm it. I can just confirm that it hasn't been reported. Okay. And, and nothing has been officialized as far as the signing is concerned. That I can confirm. I can also confirm that... You know, the first season of the NBA in-season tournament has been a success. Like, no matter what happens from here on out, we're talking about late November, mm-hmm. early December, regular season basketball the- between the Celtics and Pacers, and one, it being must-watch television, and two, living up to the billing, and three, having an intensity that we've never seen at this point in the regular season. This is just the commissioner's show. Good job, Manfred. Good job, Silver. Uh, before we get into the actual merits of the NBA in-season tournament, because, you know, we did too much good talk already, I would like to complain just a, a little bit. I don't like that everyone is retroactively trying to say they thought this was a good idea. I, unlike everyone else... You keep receipts? Well, I just know that I heard a lot of squawking about this, and now I can't find a soul who says, I actually didn't think this was going to be a good idea, and I've been loving it. Everybody just fully on board with it, and guess what? Of course, you add stakes to something. The players clearly care. You get a great game like you got last night from the Pacers and and the Celtics. You got Tatum going at it. Halliburton's dad's losing his mind on uh, courtside. It was awesome. Having stakes for things, what a shock. You tell people it matters. And more importantly, like I think this is the really important part. You give them just enough of a financial incentive, and it's crazy to say that five hundred grand is just enough, but it does kind of feel like that was the floor to get these guys to care. Yeah. That, and and then once, and that's the thing is, maybe at first there's the buy-in because of the hundred or the five hundred grand, but then once you're bought in, you forget about that pretty quickly, and you're just in a competitive sport. We, again, like we've all done the thing where not in an NBA game, but you're playing pickup, you're playing shinny, you're playing a match with your dad, I don't know, and all of a sudden it gets a little more serious, it gets a little tense, and then you you kind of forget, you you don't forget about the match or what's at stake, but you're just wrapped up in competing. And that is what I think the beauty of the NBA in-season tournament has done. Like it's it's awesome. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about the money. Yesterday, no, and I, and I don't, I don't know if the the players are necessarily thinking about the money, and maybe it has to do with the Pacers being the first team to really, you know, see them have that competitive energy in mm-hmm. this in season tournament. Like we saw a little bit in the round robin, right, and yep. especially on the final day, and and teams were not afraid to rack up big point differentials. Drummond, yep. yeah, to try and get into this thing. We, we've seen it, but yeah, the first game yesterday between the Pacers and Celtics was. It's the best regular season game we've had this season by far, mm-hmm. right? And part of it was that it was in Indiana, right? This is this is a franchise that uh, has a pretty fervent fan base, but I was hasn't say, seen. I heard it. they love their hoops there. They haven't won a postseason game since 2018, so they're starved, Man, right? That's like, like Roy Hibbert verticality era. 
Yeah, they, they, they've been in the postseason a couple of times. In 1819, they were swept by the Celtics. And then in 1920, they were swept by the Heat. And then out of the playoffs the, the last three years. So it's it's been a moment in Indiana. This is also like a fun, young, exciting team. Tyrese Halliburton has been one of the most exciting stories of the mm-hmm. season. That was his first career triple-double. He went off in the in the second half of that basketball game, the four-point play. I got... I wonder if that played into it. And to that point, Brent, yep. like the Pacers are going to be in the playoffs, I would think, in the Eastern Conference this year. But mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has any illusions. This is a championship caliber basketball team. Like the offense has been outrageous. And they actually were able to come up with the occasional defensive stop mm-hmm. in the second half in the fourth quarter yesterday. But that's it's been an issue. The Pacers, a Pacers team the Raptors are, have beaten this season, by the way. <laughs> um does that take any of the shine off that it is a team like that that, that, that does not have championship aspirations? Now, they haven't won the thing, mm-hmm. but they knocked off a team that does, right? The Boston Celtics could very easily win it all. What do we want out of this thing? Do we want Do we want a team that, I don't know, what do you, what do you call, the treble in soccer is like, yeah, you, know, you know. win your league, you win Champions League, and you win your in-season tournament yeah. as well. What do you call, I mean, the double, I guess you'd call it the double. Like, do we want a team that's going to win the double, the, the Celtics are going to win the mm-hmm. end-season tournament and the Larry O'Brien trophy, or do we want something different? Do we want a team, like, honestly, the perfect example to counter yep. the, the the championship contender would be a team like the Pacers, an up-and-coming mm-hmm. team that clearly does not have any hope of winning a championship when you're talking about four rounds of seven-game series, but this could be the format that works for them. What do we want out of this thing? We're going to go full young girl in the taco commercial. Why not both? I think it will be great when you have a true, and I think maybe this is part of where the NBA is at right now. If the in-season tournament would have existed in the Warriors dynasty or, you know, the Heatles, LeBron, Miami Heat teams, then I think you would have said, or, well, I'm sure a lot of people would have said, eh, I hate those guys. I don't want them to win. But you understand what I'm saying. You would want to see the dominance. You would want to see the greatness. I don't feel like we have a great team in the NBA right now. There are several, but there is no team that is head, shoulders, knees, and toes above above the their, their peers in, in the league. I so think like, Nikola Jokic and the, and the Nuggets still are. Like, Jokic at his best when, okay, as long but, as Jamal Murray's well, this healthy. Is, this is the thing, is you haven't really seen that version of the Nuggets because Jamal Murray's been so banged up this year. I don't disagree with you that over the course of a full playoffs, those guys will prove themselves to be that team. But this is the beauty of single game elimination. I would feel differently about this. If this was the Raptors doing this as opposed to the Pacers. And, you know, maybe it's the fact that I'm not so close to the Pacers that, you know, you don't get as sucked up into the minutia because, you know, I can see a world where if Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes are just having all their best games in the in season tournament, people would be talking themselves into this Raptors team being very different. But I think that that's exactly the kind of team you want. It's a team with young players, a possible burgeoning star in a guy like Halliburton and having that moment, you know, oftentimes we have to wait for the playoffs for a guy to have a coming out party. And the saddest part about it is that let's just imagine that was a playoff series and that's game one. And then, you know, the Celtics do what we would expect them to do right. in, a, in a series against them and go win in six. We probably forget the Tyrese Halliburton game. But last night, we won't because it mattered. Yeah. So I think this is kind of I think this is kind of the perfect case. They are like kind of the perfect team to go on a run. No, to your point. Because, I mean, this is what the Raptors do, even when they're good. During their championship run in 2019, they lost game one to the Orlando Magic. Yes. Before rattling off 
four consecutive victories yep. and winning that series in five games. But yeah, berserker teams can win a single game yep. in the postseason, which makes obviously again, and you don't need me to tell you this. The in-season tournament very different than getting through four mm-hmm. rounds of seven-game series in the NBA playoffs. That's that's the bigger deal. Yes. No one's going to, as much as I think this has been a success, compare the two. I think, yeah, and, and the possibility still exists that you get the other thing, right? The Bucks and Knicks play tonight. Uh, Lakers, Suns. The Lakers and Suns also play tonight. Three of those four teams I think we can all consider championship contenders. Yep. Honestly, that's the perfect scenario is that the Pacers get all the way to the final against mm-hmm. the Suns, right? Yep. That you have a team that has a chance to to win the Larry O'Brien and a young up-and-coming yep. team. I also am interested to see what this does for the, the remainder of the, the regular season mm-hmm. for a team like the Pacers. Again, like that is – that looks like it's on the verge of something but has accomplished nothing mm. yet. Until – like yeah, yesterday was quite literally the biggest yep. game of Tyrese Halliburton's career – and the biggest game of this core's existence in Indiana. What does that do? Is like I could see two things happening here. Yeah. I could see like a letdown. It's like, For oh sure. my god, well, now we got to go back to playing regular. Se- what? Like you getting the bends, right? Yeah. Like it's like it is like playing a a seven game series in the postseason, winning that seven game series, and then continuing the regular season after that. Mm-hmm. It's not quite, but like there, there is like a high and low that's going to be existent for the Pacers. Or is there a potential of, hey, man, we've seen proof of concept here. Like maybe you don't believe us as a championship contender, but look at what we've done facing a true championship contender. I think it'll be different year in and year out. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about their, and again, to your point, the Nuggets are this team, but they ain't in, they ain't in the Eastern Conference, is that, it maybe allows them to feel differently heading into the playoffs. They feel differently about themselves. Can I see a letdown coming after that? Totally. We see it all the time. Forget about an in-season tournament game. We see it when teams just play a good game against a team that they feel like is a tough test for them. So you could easily see a letdown there, but I could also see some of that kind of muscle memory kicking in as the as the playoffs kind of start up again. I, I definitely can see some of that. The, I have to be honest, and I know, like, maybe not the most popular thing here, but it, just from a narrative perspective, please, please, please give me LeBron James and the Lakers in-season tournament champions. Mm-hmm. Hot legacy talk. What does it do for him? Obviously, Jordan never won one. Uh, that is, I think, just from a pure, like, basically first takes – place that is what i want in the world is yeah, the lakers nice, to win this thing i mean nice beautiful narrative stuff right hot hot yeah narrative talk. i mean maybe this is perfectly suited for anthony davis to stay healthy and oh, we were talking about like just sing- one game that's yeah, great just one one game stop all right um speaking of one game there was just one game to wrap up what week 13 of the nfl season monday night or yesterday and here we are now Hey, Jacksonville uh, lost uh, 34-31 to Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are now at 6-6, six and six, and and it's still alive in the AFC uh, playoff race. Um, four of the seven teams currently in a playoff spot in the AFC have injured quarterbacks to oh. some degree. So, like, Trevor Lawrence left the game yesterday, and the way he slammed his helmet on the, the ground made me think that, like, oh, this guy knows that he blew out his ACL, and... That'll be it for him. Mm-hmm. Um, they also don't have carts in Jackson. I don't know what was going on there. He had to he had to like hobble off not yeah. just the field, but all the way down the hallway. Maybe he just wanted to be a warrior. I guess. 
Turns out it, it, it looks like... Got to fight the, the uh, like, how people feel about you with the long hair. Got to prove you tough. I, yeah, I suppose that's possible. Um, it, it According to Schefter, uh, initial testing showed that he has a sprained ankle, which oh. actually doesn't sound All things bad. considered. I mean, guys in the NFL have played with so much worse. Yeah. So now here... In, here are the, the four teams with backup quarterbacks. Uh, the Jags, the Steelers, the Browns, and the Colts. All those teams are currently inside how, of the AFC how playoff How dare picture. you throw the Colts in there with my man, Gardner Minshew? Right. And, I mean, the, yes. As as much as Anthony Richardson showed a little bit in his yeah. oh. very Oh, little... no, no. I got very excited watching Anthony Richardson run around. Yes. Sure. But, like, it's, it's a little different when we're talking about him – as opposed to Trevor Lawrence, just who a touch. won a playoff <laughs> game already, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert lost that playoff whatever. game. Whatever. He was there. He was there. He, he was Just for the record, the, loss, the win-loss record after that game is uh, Trevor Lawrence still 0-0, Justin Herbert yeah. 0-1. Yeah. And honestly, like, after one game of Jake Browning, maybe, like, maybe I'm okay with Jake Browning being in the AFC playoff picture. But, you know, the, the thing that, that would not escape my brain in watching that game and thinking about the AFC playoff picture is imagine Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills sitting on the outside of this postseason picture with the way the Chiefs look. Goodell's got to go full full college football. Well, I mean, look at <laughs> look at the path that exists for anybody just getting in. Like the idea of okay, having the the one buy in the AFC that's that's all well and good, but I mean, you can from any angle. If the Bills get in, I think the the path is is not impossible at all. It's in fact maybe the easiest they're they're ever going to have to get through this AFC and into a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, how how dare you say that about not only the greatest quarterback football player but athlete and human of all time, Patrick Mahomes? How how dare you say that about him? But yeah, this is as wide open as it's going to be. I mean, look at all, just look at all the teams at the top of the conference. You can point at the holes. Uh, the Jaguars, they're the Jaguars, and they might not have Trevor Lawrence going forward. Pretty easy to say there. The Ravens, I am not as down on as I think maybe you are, but they have had their hiccup games and they have holes in that team. And also, we've seen this movie before go go win a game when it when it matters the chiefs i you know we don't need to continue to relitigate their season seemingly every day the dolphins are the interesting one right because i would have thought you know even lawrence going down yesterday kind of changes things in the fact that if you have and you know we've seen the dolphins to a certain extent struggle to put up points against stronger defenses but if it's just a shootout how do you feel about, you know, Jake Browning or CJ Beathard, yeah. who, by the way, was nine of 10 <laughs> coming, coming in into that game? You know, it's like if it's a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, I think we all feel pretty good about Mahomes in that, despite the, the lack of weapons there. But yeah, that's the thing about the AFC this year is it's it's really odd in that this has kind of been the NFC the last handful of years. You could talk yourself into a bunch of teams, but not the, that's not the case. The NFC kind of has a pretty clear pecking order. The AFC this year wide, wide open. You can make the case for any of the, well, not the Jags, but any of those other three division leaders. How many quarterbacks in the NFL can you make the case for over Zach Wilson? Because I think we saw, I think we saw three yesterday. Yeah. It's like obviously Trevor Lawrence. But I, also I would like, agree, yes. Also Jake Browning, but like also C.J. Beathard. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's it. And, you know, when, when Nathan Roark. Prince just sitting there going, how? 
when Nathan Rourke dresses next week as, oh, as C.J. Beathard's it's gonna backup, look so handsome. And C.J. Beathard has his you know myriad of fumbles uh, in the first half, and he gets into the game. I think you can throw him onto the list. Like there's just and you know the reason I bring up Zach Wilson um, is a report out of the Athletic that. <laughs> It, it turns out that, yeah, if you would have asked if I just typed into chat GPT, I don't really understand how it works, but spin me a tale about Zach Wilson. This is exactly what would come out. Jets, apparently not enamored <laughs> with what they've seen out of oh. uh, Tim Boyle and what Trevor Simeon. Yes. <laughs> those are all guys. Shockingly not impressed with what they've seen out of those guys. And uh, despite Bumping Zach Wilson all, all the way down to number three on the depth chart are looking to go back to him or next weekend's tilt against the Texans, except Zach Wilson said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I mean, there's been some indication that he's concerned of potential injury, which, I mean, you should be, I guess, every week. I don't know what makes this week in particular the week that you're afraid of the injury, though. I cannot for the life of me wrap my head around this story. Like, I know quarterbacks are different. They're not kickers in the sense of, like, they're not the same as other football players, but they're a little bit of a different animal. But you're worried if if you can play, you can play. Like, if you're worried about injury, go on the injury report and don't be dressed for the game so they can dress. Like, it is is nuts to me that you're worried about this. Looking If you're Zach Wilson, you should be dying to get under center every chance you get. Cause I, mean, I don't think they're going to be coming all that often after this season. No, it's quite possible if he, if he begs out of this game on Sunday that he's played his last NFL game, which is like, nuts. End of sentence. And, it, well, and let's just, again, like, you know, I know it was a much more spectacular fashion, but think of all the comments we had about Antonio Brown after, I mean, and I realized he like stripped himself naked and left in the middle of an NFL game. So, you know, a little more sensational, but this is ridiculous. Like all the stuff we thought about Zach Wilson and we had our like brief moment of, eh, maybe with a little success, he could, no, it's like, he's just the worst. Like he just feels like, and I don't know that this is true, but it just feels like a spoiled kid who life has been very easy for. And he tore it up at BYU against some park competition. He gets to the NFL and it's very hard and the defense hates him and everyone's yelling at him and he's in New York. It just like, it just seems like the lights are way, way too bright. It's not great. Uh, it's not been a great run of uh, a, of narrative for Robert Sala either. Oh no! I did you know he has seven kids? I heard I that. Know. I heard that, and I was floored by that. Just like, they call them the Sala Seven. I, they should. Mm-hmm. I, I would like him to trademark that right now if he if he hasn't already. Yeah, it's been a rough go for him, but it's also perfect, right? Because you could just, oh, what do you want me to do? I got all these bums under center. We were supposed to build around Rodgers. Built-in excuses right there for him. Dude, I mean, this this goes beyond Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. In what? First offensive? Yes. Um, uh, literally of literally immediately. Yeah. I, as I don't need to. Jets fans know this, but like, yeah, it's, it doesn't. <laughs> I can't imagine they're looking forward to, honestly, week one of next regular season. It, it just feels like this is not just an Aaron Rodgers away from, from being fixed. Nope. Anyways, well, we'll talk to Peter King after 830 today. But when we come back. I'll give you an update on the Vegas odds when it comes to Shohei Otani and his likelihood of signing in Toronto after Ken Rosenthal's report yesterday that he was in Dunedin. That next, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.